Welcome to the Sooners Extra Post Game Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, here at uh, Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, where on Saturday, Oklahoma knocked off Iowa State 28 to 21. Joined by fellow beat writer Justin Martinez, columnist Barry Trammell, and uh, guys, we saw a version of what we've seen pretty much all year, which is a game going right down to the wire. Uh, Justin, today, Oklahoma got it done with defense, especially that defensive line. Yeah, and I mean, that's something that really been a, a point of emphasis or something that was in question these past few weeks was why haven't they been able to get the pressure that many people expected them to be able to get uh, this whole season? You know, they definitely came through and, and delivered. I mean, it was just constant pressure on uh, on Brock Purdy. They were making anything easy. That last stop down the stretch as well, definitely um, kind of a trademark thing for them this season. Uh, so good to see them getting back to that as well. Barry, what did you see that was a difference with OU's defensive line? Today we saw uh, Jalen Redmond obviously come up with a couple big plays. Isaiah Thomas, once again, Nick Benito, uh, and on and on and on. Uh, this is a defensive line that hadn't been able to show much in the way of consistency, but uh, today they were able to get it done uh, pretty constantly. Yeah, I thought Alex Grinch blitzed a lot more today. Um, that was part of it. Um, energy you saw out of people like Redmond um, made a difference. He didn't. I think he had one sack, but he he had to scoop, scoop and score. But he also was doing a lot of chasing. And Brock Purdy, even when he wasn't getting sacked, he was sort of on the run. And I think that was a really big key. Uh, Purdy never got comfortable, maybe until the last two drives when it got hairier than it needed to. But um, – yeah, I think uh, I think uh, Grinch put his defensive backs a little bit at risk by saying, you know what, we're not going to let the quarterback sit there and, and pick you apart. So um, I, I think he trusted his DBs more today and blitzed more often. I think that was probably uh, the biggest difference. Yeah, I mean, we saw that from really the get-go and the, the DBs were able to hold up. Jalen Redmond, like Barry said, uh, was all over the field, and it wasn't just the the, the plays that he made, but uh, the the plays that he forced, flush guys into other uh, uh, players who were there to 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 finish things off. Jalen Redmond's is a guy that we've known has had the potential uh, to to be this kind of disruptive force, but today certainly uh, showed it in full force. Justin, yeah, I mean. Like you guys said, it was it was just one sack, but also four quarterback hurries, uh, which was a team high in this one. Also had that, that fumble recovery to return for a touchdown. I mean, just his activity throughout the game. I mean, um, definitely one of the big game changers uh, for OU's defense today. Yeah, no doubt about it. But uh, let's flip over to the other side for a little bit and talk about uh, OU's offense. And uh, Barry, Things got off to a good start with Caleb Williams, a 74-yard touchdown run on the, the second play from scrimmage for the Sooners. But Caleb Williams really struggled today from there. It seemed like he was uh, a lot of times waiting for, for plays to develop, guys to get open down the field instead of uh, one throwing underneath or, or two taking off running himself. Do you feel like that was a function of – the umbrella defense that we've seen from from Iowa State was that you know Williams uh, just not knowing uh, you know when to when to take off, when not to, when to check down, when not to, or is there 
you know, something maybe even more concerning there. It looked to me like a series of just unfortunate decisions on his part. I mean, um, I don't know how many of the of the plays that looked like zone reads were actually zone reads, but those in which he had an option, he he missed some in which he could have kept the ball. Um, he held it far too long deep in the pocket. Um, the uh, the cyclone pass rush wasn't much all day. OU's offensive line did a very good job, but he just held on to the ball and just sort of refused to scramble much until it was too late. And I don't understand it for a guy like that. That's what scares people to death. I mean, to be honest, if you're going to have a quarterback just stand back there and not run, Spencer Rattler is your better option to quarterback. So um, I kept thinking they actually might go with, with Rattler um, because the, the, the quarterback run game was not a factor at all once you got past that 74-yard touchdown, which came on the second play of uh, the second snap for OU in the entire game. Yeah, but their their offense was sort of saved by uh, uh, Kennedy Brooks, especially on that the the drive where the Sooners scored their last touchdown. Kennedy Brooks came came up big. Eric Gray finished it off, but uh, Brooks today 115 yards, uh, averaged uh, 6.8 yards a carry. Uh, you know, good for the Sooners to see him uh, break out for sure. But uh, Caleb Williams, 8 of 18, one interception. He did have one touchdown, but 87 yards. The Sooners throw for 96 yards total. Uh, Their lowest of the Lincoln-Riley area the previous was against TCU a couple years ago. I think it was 145, if I'm not mistaken, the last time that they were held. This low was the Samaj P. Ryan game in 2014 against Kansas. It was played in a, uh, uh, a monsoon. Uh, but when you've got a guy set the NCAA record for most rushing yards in a game, it's easy to explain today a little bit harder. But uh, Justin Kennedy Brooks finally looked like the Kennedy Brooks that we had seen uh, earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, he had gone, what was it, the past three games without a 100 yard uh, rushing performance. So definitely uh, had cooled off after I think really hitting his stride uh, midway through the season when he started to get, um, you know, starting reps. So credit to him for being able to, to break through in this one. And also just credit to the offensive line. Like you guys mentioned, I think Barry mentioned that you know, the offensive line did a really good job today. I think that it showed in the run game. Unfortunately, it didn't show in the passing game, mostly because Caleb Williams holding on to the ball a little too late. But, I mean, Kennedy Brooks just doing what, what he does, you know, 100 rushing yard, 119 rushing yards, no touchdowns, but still just a consistent, reliable option for them on offense. Yeah, I think 115 rushing yards, Justin. I think the uh... – 119 was his gain, but yeah, uh, it, yeah first uh, first hundred yard game for Kennedy Brooks since that TCU game. You know he had that stretch where he was used uh, quite a bit. Only had 21 carries over the last couple games, 86 total yards. But uh, today, 17 carries uh, for him, right uh, close to that 1,000 yard mark uh, for the season. I think he's at uh, 968 there. Uh, did top the 3,000 mark uh, for his career. So uh, a big day for Kennedy Brooks, and, and they certainly needed it. Uh, very along with that, um, would you make of the offensive lines play today? The, uh, the Cyclones did, did sack uh, Caleb Williams a, a few times. I think, what was it, four sacks uh, that they finished with. But uh, it, it seemed like a lot of times – Caleb Williams had plenty of time 
to, to sit back there and throw it. It was about the coverage. Um, you know, they, there were some, some breakdowns there, especially the almost safety where Anton Harrison uh, sort of gets beat on the play, but is able to recover, uh, scoop up the fumble and take it out of the end zone. But uh, Barry, what did you think of the OU offensive line? I was, I was very impressed with them. I thought it was the strength of the uh, strength of the offense today. It wasn't the receivers. It wasn't the quarterback by any means. Tailbacks played well, but I thought they ran blocked. You know, Kennedy Brooks often makes yardage on his own. He didn't have to do that. They had some really nice holes. Uh, the pass blocking was superb. Any sack that happened today in uh, when, with Williams going down was Williams' own fault. So I thought it was uh, a very uh, a very encouraging effort from per- performance by the OU defensive uh, offensive line because uh, Iowa State is. You know, Iowa State's been solid on defense most of the year. Now they've had a couple of fall downs, but you know the Sooners have not. Um, you know, last year in the Big Twelve title game is a 27-21 game, so this is a defense that sort of puts up a pretty good fight against OU and did so again. But the the offensive line responded, and it was a good thing they could run the ball today, or else uh, this one would not have turned out quite as. Uh, quite as joyful as it did. Yeah, no doubt about it. You mentioned the offensive line being the best part of the, the offense. Um, you know, once again, though, Barry, or uh, let's see, we go to Justin on this. Michael Turk comes up big, uh, helps the Sooners punting-wise, um, has six punts, averages almost 55 yards uh, a punt uh, along 63. Three of his six punts came down uh, inside the 20. Um, just uh, another fantastic day for him on a day when OU special teams was a little shaky at times in, in other ways. But uh, Michael Turk continues to, uh, you know, help help the Sooners defense out. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just funny because you know, at the beginning of the year when we found out he was coming over here, there were just jokes that, well, they're not really going to need them too much, you know, because this is an offense that's going to be able to score pretty much every time uh, it gets possession. And that hasn't been the case this season. So he's definitely been really valuable for them. And like you said, the star of the special teams for sure, because Kay Burke has just continued to struggle. It's been two weeks now without him making a field goal. He missed from 51 yards out um, and then 40 yards out against Baylor last week. And then I think this one was, what, 25 yards. So special teams hasn't been the best lately, but Turk definitely has been one of the uh, shining stars there. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, uh, and, and and another thing on the special teams, that game they give up a 29-yard run by the punter on fourth and six. He had a kickoff return. Marvin Mims fumbles. Eric Gray muffs a punt return. I mean, I thought Turk was great. But, man, I thought the special teams were pretty shaky today. Yeah, they, they really were. Barry, uh, and I want to go back to some uh, special teams moment. Uh, right after this, but um, how Barry, how concerned are you about Gabe Berkich's, uh mindset now after missing a, a really short field goal early in the game, uh, doinked it off the uh, the uprights, and now he's missed three in a row? I'm pretty concerned. Here's something to think about. Twice we've seen OU kickers in the 21st century who were 
Now, neither were, was as spectacular as Burkitt had been, but they were dependable guys for a long period of stretch, multiple seasons. Trey DiCarlo, Michael Honeycutt, and in the middle of the year, they just lose it. And Stoops ended up, Bob Stoops ended up having to make a switch at kicker. I don't know if we're to there yet, but this is two straight weeks that um, that Burkitt has missed a relatively short field goal in in a very close game, and it cost the Sooners in Waco. Didn't cost them today, but you know, let me promise you, you get a chance to score three points in Stillwater, you better score the three points. They're not giving away points that OSU defense. So, to me, that's a that's a that's a problem, and it's it's something they certainly don't need, and and uh, they got enough problems without without worrying about that. Yeah, that's something that they've got to uh, get corrected uh, quickly because, like you said, Barry, uh, you know OSU's defense really good, and you want to be able to take advantage of any opportunity uh, that that you're able to get against them. Uh, but uh, Barry, I mentioned the the special teams play um, on on Turk's last punt with uh, you know right around two minutes left. It looks like he outkicks his coverage and the Cyclones have a, a chance for a, a big, long return, but then uh, Trevin West comes up with a, a big open field tackle that uh, turned out to, uh, you know, be a really, really important play for, for the Sooners. Yeah. Cause it looked to me like he did have that corner, and because he, he made a good move to get away from a couple of guys, and then he's headed to the east sideline, and you think, oh, this is not good. You know, some people might have had shades of Tyreek Hill. Um, but West, who's a wide receiver, by the way, he's not a he's not a guy who goes around tackling people. He's a wide receiver that makes a really nice play, gets the guy on the ground at the 14-yard line. And it, you know what? It's it's a good thing that uh, the Sooners uh, backed them up that far because they went right down the field. They had 86 yards to go, and if they'd have needed just 66 yards, they, they might have got there. So, uh, big play by Trayvon West. I, I salute the guy. I didn't know I didn't know he had the uh, tackling acumen, but man, that was a, that was a big play. Yeah, Lincoln Riley called that play the second biggest play in the game behind uh, Jalen Redmond's scoop and score. Uh, but uh, just in that last drive. Really, Charlie Kolar had been pretty bottled up for most of the game. Uh, you know, finally got going the next to last drive with a couple big catches, a 28-yard catch, and then 14 finally uh, gets a, a two-yard catch to, to uh, move the Cyclones within a touchdown, 28-21. But the Iowa State just kept feeding Charlie Kolar uh, into that last drive. And he almost came up with a storybook end to uh, his his Iowa State career, uh, you know, just a couple miles from where he grew up. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State kept beating him, and also just Oklahoma kept leaving him open. I mean, especially that fourth and sixth play, like how he's that wide open for a gain of sixteen yards, right up the middle, right up the heart of your defense. I don't understand because um, it was just a lot of like 13, 14, 15 yard passes to him. Um, and yeah, he delivered down the stretch. That definitely would have been um, a pretty good storyline had he been able to pull that off or help Iowa State pull that off. But yeah, I mean, he he really delivered down the stretch. Guys, guys, Charlie Kohar had eight catches for 123 yards in the last four minutes. 
in the last four minutes. Yeah, it's yeah. it was insane. That's like that's like Reggie Miller against the Knickerbockers. I've never I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, it, it was definitely wild. I uh, I can't remember anything like that. And uh, they just kept. It was like Brock Purdy was just absolutely zeroed in on Charlie Kolar. Finally, the Sooners double team him. Uh, there in the end, he's got to go a different direction. And, uh, you know, OU is able to come up with, well, Justin Broyles is able to get his hand up on it. It was going to be incomplete anyway, but knocks it right into Pat Fields' hands. Another guy playing his last game on this field. And uh, the game is uh, finally uh, ended with 15 seconds left when uh, what was Iowa State's third turnover of the game. Yeah, you uh, you thought if they'd have kept on to Kolar that, you know, bad things were going to happen. But it, the, the Cyclone spiked it on first down. On second down, um, they, uh, Jalen Redmond gets him a big-time rush. He has to throw the ball away. Third down, they throw the fade. And Key Lawrence, I think it was Key Lawrence, had a really good coverage on the Iowa State receiver and really not, a, not space to make a play. And then the fourth down, he overthrows Chase Allen, which is difficult to do because the guy stands eight foot six. And uh, but he overthrew him. So, yeah, you got the feeling as, as long as they kept throwing to Kolar, this this game was was going to go Iowa State's way. Yeah, but uh, the, the Sooners come up with the the, the last play there. And, and Justin, looking forward to Bedlam a little bit, you know. How do you, how do you feel about the Sooners' chances in this game, given what Oklahoma State has been uh, defensively, given what we know about this series, and given what we saw today? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm just looking forward to it from like a reporting perspective. You know, first time getting to go out there and see this, um, so that's going to be great, especially with both teams playing so well right now. But I mean, in terms of OU's chances, you know, OSU is definitely going to be the favorite. I don't feel like that's a, a hot take or anything like that. Um, just with the way the Sooners offense is playing right now and the way OSU's defense is playing, it, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be an uphill battle for, for OU to keep up on the scoreboard. Um, we're going to have to see the best of Caleb Williams, without a doubt. We're going to have to see the best of the offensive line um, just for them to be able to keep up. And then defensively, you know, I, I think that OU's entering it, you know, in a pretty good place right now, especially with the way the, the defensive line has been playing. Jalen Redmond has really been a game changer. So, you know, there's there's definitely cause for optimism, but OSU is going to be the favorite in this one. It's going to be tough for OU to come out on top. Uh, Barry, what about you? What do you what do you think about this one, especially uh, through the lens of just the dominance that OU has had in this series? I think a lot of times I compare it to uh, you know back in the uh, Oklahoma high school days when Jinx and Union were uh, the dominant forces. Obviously, they still are are, are pretty dominant, but uh, you know, it's one of those things where it's always, you know, don't don't predict anybody else to win until uh, somebody else does. Um, but is, is this a little bit different this time around for the, the uh, Cowboys? It feels different, right? Uh, oh, yeah. Just because of the, the dominant defense. This is not typical OSU team in the last 10, 12 years where, the, you know, shootout, high scoring, great quarterback, that kind of thing. And then they go lose 62 to 52. Um, this is a team that consistently, consistently has popped uh, opposing offenses, and it seems like they could probably get this 
uh, you know, get this Oklahoma offense, keep it in check because of what we've seen, particularly the last two weeks. So um, I think it's, uh, I'm with Jay Mart. I think clearly the Cowboys will be favored. I don't know that, that history is going to matter too much to the, uh, to the Cowboys, um, you know, uh, but you never know. It does smell a little bit like 2011. That's what the Sooners need to be careful of. It's similar seasons. Each team was uh, going in. I think OU. I think OU was nine and two. OSU was ten and one. The Cowboys clocked them 44 to 10 because they were playing so well. So that that's what it feels like. But the Sooners do have that history. They can always sort of rely on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that game plays out. I think for the Sooners, the biggest key is continuing that momentum on the defensive side because we know how good Oklahoma State can be defensively. OU's had some some offensive issues. Obviously, they need to clean that stuff up, but they've got to get after uh, Spencer Sanders and the uh, uh, that Cowboys offense in order to give themselves a chance. Um, uh, you know, another a couple things to just uh, wrap up today. It was senior day. We saw – uh, a lot of those guys go through the ceremonies, but Justin, there's a couple that we didn't see go through the ceremonies, which was interesting, including Justin Broyles, who's played a much bigger role uh, this year. And, uh, you know, a, a few of those other guys that, uh, you know, we thought might be their last game, but uh, it looks like some of them uh, might uh, already have that decision to come back. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have that option. That's something that's definitely been talked about. Um, we're going to see what happens. Obviously, getting some of those guys back would be big, especially with the way Justin Burroughs has been playing lately. It would be really big for you to get them back um, next season. Also, another guy that uh, was a little preoccupied other than that was also Caleb Kelly out there at the uh, big noon kickoff. Pretty cool to see him out there before the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, that those decisions are definitely going to be big moving forward for OU. So we'll see what happens. Any guys that can get back will definitely be a bonus. But either way, I mean, you look at the way OU has been doing recruiting-wise, they're going to be fine in terms of talent. It's just going to be a matter of getting those piece, uh, pieces to mesh well together. Yeah, but certainly interesting to see the guys who didn't go through it. Caleb Kelly did get back in time uh, to uh, stand with his family over there, but it was interesting to see the way that he reacted through everything, was actually out there for uh, stretches in his normal spot, which usually injured guys don't do, uh, just sort of taking it in all for the last time. But um, some of those other guys, a couple of those other guys who didn't go through uh, uh, the senior day ceremonies, Chris Murray, the uh, offensive lineman, be interesting to see if he comes back. He certainly is a guy who's got a good chance to remain in the starting lineup. And then neither of the punters, Michael Turk and uh, Reeves Munchow, who held that job for the couple of years before, went through either. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh, the other thing, Bear, I wanted to bring up was the the flu outbreak and. Uh, Lincoln Riley talked about how that affected preparations uh, for this week. We saw a few guys out uh, today. Um, it was interesting that most of them were still around on the sidelines and things like that. So I'm not exactly sure if it was the flu with them or, or what was up, but um, you know, certainly hearing from them, it was a, a tough, tough week to try to get ready, especially given the fact that they're bouncing off a, a loss to Baylor. Yeah. I mean, they had to reduce practice schedules, didn't have enough guys to even practice one day, an entire, an entire uh, 
unit, one of the you know, position groups, didn't say which one, was wiped out for a whole day of practice. Sounds like a mess. You know, when COVID hits, you forget about all the other things that, you know, the flu's still around. It doesn't have to be COVID that can get you. So just a little bit of a, of a hurdle, and sounds like they came to it pretty well. So, um, you know, that was, that was solid. Uh, Iowa State's a good team. They're not a great team. But the truth is they're similar to OU. And the difference is Iowa State's found a way to lose several of these close games. OU's navigated and won virtually all of them. And, you know, one of the ways you do that is you just, when you're playing poorly, you find a way to win. When you have a rough week of practice, the flu hits, you persevere and get through it. So I sort of applaud the Sooners. They're not as good as we thought they were. But they're 10 and 1, and they found ways to win. And there's something to be said for that. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I mentioned this on radio before the game, Barry, just like you were saying that, you know, I, OU and Iowa State are really similar, except for uh, OU's found ways to win those games. And Iowa State, in large part, hasn't been able to come up with the win. But today, Oklahoma is able to pull it off a 28 21 victory over Iowa State in the last game here this season at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. Next week, Bedlam, a night game up in Stillwater, will be there. Uh, until then, you can check out our work every every day at Oklahoma.com, every morning in the Oklahoma for the best OU coverage anywhere. Thank you so much for joining us.